0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, But the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we come this morning sometimes from lots of activities and errands and things that we hope to accomplish, but we ask that you will slow us down a bit to breathe in and hear of the prophecies of what will happen when you make your appearance among us, when you make your advent in the face of this nation, this world, this global village, which is so rife with strife and war and starvation and sadness. Help us, Lord, to prepare by being the solutions that you seek for all those who are suffering. Use us to help bring about the blossoming of the dry places. And help us, Lord, to never give up hope that you are coming closer and closer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, now, they say that most preachers have just about one theme that they preach on at all times. Oh, maybe different denominations will have different kinds of emphases, but still basically one focus. You know mine? I bet most of you do. By now, did you say social justice? Bingo! If you did, you're right. It goes like this Let's all rise up And dare to enter our Discomfort zones Find a source of suffering or inequity And education or health care Or safe and warm housing And let's all work together And give generously to overcome Any racism Any sexism, hunger, malaria And any kind of fear of welcoming Strangers and refugees to our world Doesn't Christ himself call us to be his change agents, change agents with grace and hope in our broken world. So let's fix it. Amen. That's it, pretty much. I love, therefore, that this morning Isaiah uh, has a famous and eloquent prophecy in chapter 11. He describes... The advent of the peaceable kingdom, as I said in the children's sermon, a peaceable kingdom that will blossom as a new king comes to rule. A king filled with the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, unlike the kings that have left Israel dry and abandoned over the last many, many centuries. A faithful king who will advocate for the poor and protect the meek. So not just people, but all creation, the leopards and the lions and the mice, will even be transformed and will exist together as soulmates. But then it says, and a little child shall lead them. Oh, we need to stop here a minute. It says, a little child shall lead them. To to know me now is to know that I've had no children of my own. I've barely ever changed a diaper. Yes, hard to imagine, or maybe it isn't. I never babysat growing up because I was the baby. And basically, I am insecure and out of touch in this arena. And yet, there is wonder and amazement in my world experience right now recently, since the summer outdoor worship services if you have been there, you may have noticed a teeny weeny little blonde girl, barely two years old who seeks me out all the way down in the front pew. She would predictably come to find me in the front row and I was sure she was looking for someone else, maybe Keith because he has all the children and he knows pretty much what to do with all of them but it seemed she was focusing on me. And she would stop and go... <laughs> like she'd seen I don't know what, but I was a big sugar cane or something. And um, I would look at her, and she would giggle, and she would not leave my side. It was so peculiar. She, indeed, has become uh, a regular at this particular behavior. Uh, every Sunday that she's here, she, I find her somewhere, or she finds me. And it's just unbelievable. I think, doesn't she know that I don't have a clue about this maternal stuff? What is she thinking? I'm not even a hugger by nature. Many of the staff are aware of that. Um, but I do love to hold babies for baptisms. Not too much longer, but I can do the baptism. <laughs> But the spirit, in the first years that I was at Trinity, the choir would just lean forward when I had a baptism because as soon as the baby was handed to me it screamed and yelled and was just so out of sorts and they would wait to see what I would do. So I would let the parents keep the baby and then I would just baptize it kind of from a distance. (laughs) So I've, I've grown a little more in that particular way. But um but this little one has helped me in so many ways because I love picking her up now. She helps me shake hands at the door or in the line outside. And um, last week she was in the back row and I was waiting in the back there and her mother you know, saw her looking back. So she came to me, I picked her up and I put her on my shoulder and I just stood there and she fell asleep right on my shoulder immediately. And I thought, wow, this is pretty good stuff. Livy, I know, Livy, this is old hat to you. But, you know, and all you parents, you've been here and done that. I know, I know. But, um, but this is all kind of a growing edge for me, late in life. So she makes me feel honored. She makes me feel responsible and humbled and vulnerable. And, but above all, the connection we have now is a gift. A gift. It's why many of us are also, you could confess, watching the Hallmark movie station most every night this last few weeks. Maybe the guys aren't quite as drawn to it, but don't, you know, don't turn it off. And every plot is exactly the same, isn't it? I mean, we know the ending before the movie starts. It's going to be this overworked business executive with lots of money and his business or her business, now they've added the women executives on the line, is taken to a humble setting, a cute little Christmas village where the lights are lit and there's candy cane and gingerbread cookies and everybody is very relaxed and graceful. And they discover real love in a humble setting. How? Finally, the movie gets around to them opening up their hurts and disappointments in life and finding that one who is gracious accepts them just the way they are. Idiosyncrasies and limitations And they are vulnerable, but it brings about a new beginning for them. And frankly, Hallmark has got the recipe. They know what it means to be human. This and every Advent season, our faith stories homework is also about making a connection with others and with those outside of our circle of comfort and convenience. And it takes time and effort. And so often, because we can afford it, we buy stuff and go shopping and give a gift in that way because we are so busy and it's more efficient and it's less sticky. When in fact taking time for a deeper conversation, understanding, hearing someone else's issues, people put up such fronts in our life about everything being okay. Well, underneath, as you know, the saying, the duck, for instance, metaphor, you're paddling like crazy just to stay afloat. What if we tapped into those areas in our conversations, more often in the advent preparation with each other? Conversations, when we really say we understand each other's situation. It's satisfying soul food, and it's what Christ calls us to do, God knows we thrive on community, on being loved, and he came, in fact, to make it all possible. Of course, he came as a little child in a very unusual setting. This week, I'd like to propose that you take 20 minutes of your precious time and listen, if you haven't already, to a powerful TED Talk by uh, Dr. Brene Brown, who is a social scientist, and we'll put that right up on the screen. It's called The Power of Vulnerability. And she has done all kinds of years of research on interviewing people who are vulnerable and what power there is in it. It's just—it's kind of our Christian story, the Christ formula. One who comes as weak becomes the king of all creation. And so The Power of Vulnerability is her book, and it's, the book is also there, And it's called The Power of Vulnerability, and the the Daring Greatly is her book, How Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. Having the courage to be vulnerable. In her TED Talk, Dr. Brown reminds us of the social worker's mantra, which is, lean into the Discomfort. Don't avoid it, but lean into the discomfort, especially in your own life. She sought counseling herself at one point, she says, for her need to make things that are messy not messy. She's a control freak, she said. I wanted to come in and clean up everything, make it fine, and she liked to be in control, of course, of her own life and most of her clients. But shame comes in our lives, she says, It's what cripples us, namely when we fear connecting with others because they'll see my faults. If I get too close to you as your pastor, you might realize how many faults I have. On the other hand, it is in just that particular confession and openness that real roots of relationships can grow. So many people think, I think we've pretty much cleared you of any of that expectation that your pastors walk on water, and uh, I think we've done a good job of humanizing the office, but um, because somebody said, you know, you always make mistakes at Upper Dublin. Um, There's always something that goes wrong. I said, yes, I know that. She said, but you know what? Um, I'm a new member, and it makes me feel like well, I can get up and do that too. I would feel good volunteering to go up front and lead something because you don't make it so scary. And I said, good, I think that's a good thing. I guess that's a good thing, yeah. We opened the door. So on the other hand, you know, if you have to have it all together, then nobody wants to do that job. But if there's room for you to be who you are and be relatable, it enriches you and it makes a healthy connection. So Dr. Brown calls... A group of people who are healthy with their own vulnerabilities, the wholehearteds. The wholehearteds. They are the people who know their vulnerabilities before others, and they are fine with that. They love wholeheartedly, without any guarantee either, for the other person to give back. She gives you a classic illustration of when you're possibly dating somebody and you're getting kind of serious and there's that awkward moment when you want to say. I love you But you don't want to say it and let it just hang there And there's no response But she said the whole hearted person will say I love you first And they won't wait and see if you answer It's okay That is what they do And they don't need guarantees No guarantees uh, Because feeling vulnerable to them Is to be really alive they accept themselves, flaws and all, and tend to be kinder and gentler with themselves. You know these people. They have courage, too, which is to tell the story of who, uh, who they are and fully embrace their vulnerabilities. Like a child. They don't know that they have all these particular peculiarities. They just think they're fine people, and they walk right up to you and say, here I am, love me. And that is a wholehearted, healthy response. Now, apparently, advice needs to get out to a bunch more people. As Dr. Brené says, our nation, the United States of America, our nation is the most in-debt, obese, addicted cohort in human history. We who have it all seem to have missed a few markers of health along the way. And she says, we cannot numb all our bad stuff. What is it, oxycotin? That's the new drug that everybody's taking, the opioid that everybody's drugging themselves and killing themselves by overdosing. We can't numb our stuff down like this, she says. I can't face my fears or feel my pain, is America's response. So I'm going to have a few more beers and another muffin. But warning, she said. When we numb our fears in this way by eating more and drinking more, we also numb our joy and our excitement. So let us remember this season with anticipation that God is with us every day. And let us be witnesses to others that we are trusting our walk each day to that God. We are his new people, vulnerable people, not perfect people, we know that. And I think Lutherans are are pretty good at admitting and confessing our sins. But we can do more of the same with others who think church people are kind of stuffy and distant, who don't feel they want to find their place among us in these hallowed halls. But we need to have connections with people, human deep connections to bring them back to worship and the God that loves them so. A little child can lead us and so we too need to know that the courageous adults in the world become vulnerable like a child, uninhibited, willing to wholeheartedly risk showing others, the poor, the powerless, refugees trapped on the borders of warring nations, that we love them. And we want to share our abundance for their survival. Because A baby's coming who taught us all of these things. Let's watch this video.
1: It's dark. The world lies in sin and error pining. The shadows are conspiring, but a light is coming. The Lord has been quiet for four centuries. The prophets are gone. There are no signs to see. It's silent. But let me tell you something. A voice is coming. The patriarchs are long dead. The judges were traded for a bunch of crowned heads. This monarchy, though, consistently failed and misled. No system is working. But there's a new king coming. Man's dead in religion. Legalism reigns. Ceremonial acts which are just simply profane. The law is not working. But a new covenant is coming. The people are defiling. The rituals God is despising. Even the priests are compromising. And the sin offerings, they're worthless sacrificing. Oh, but get ready. Because a lamb is coming. The temple A den of thieves a brood of vipers of the Pharisees same too for the Sadducees they don't even know there's a new high priest coming the nations are suffering evil is chuckling and the faithful are left wondering does God even care Oh, let me tell you something. Emmanuel is coming. God's people desire a glorious king. The world is yearning for eternity. A perfect sacrifice each soul desperately needs. It's a silent night. But hope is in sight. A most precious gift God is bestowing. The Bethlehem star begins glowing. Let the good news start growing. A baby is coming.